It's time. It's time. Passcode accepted. Downloading the Down South IT Podcast. Glad to have you with me. This is the Down South IT Podcast. My name is Clark. Welcome to the season finale of season 10. And if you notice the name of the episode, Caveat Emptor, that's what it's about. Buyer beware. There are a ton of online scams nowadays. So this episode is basically going to round about how to avoid or spot certain scams before you get scammed because some are worse than others but it just sucks to get scammed in the first place so it's better to be leery and watch out and know what to look for before it actually happens to you but before i jump into all of that i do want to mention the website everything will be right there on the show prep for the website downsouthitpodcast.com look for the embedded player right underneath there they'll have a link for show prep Everything will be right there in a PDF format if you want to go ahead and read over it just to kind of give you an idea. Now, granted, these won't be the end all be all of scams because every one of them is a little bit different. They have a little bit more nuance to them nowadays. But for the most part, these are the most popular ones, according to Norton, Experian and a couple other websites. I do have the websites that I use to to dig these up right there on the show prep for you. If you happen to notice I did play around with the website a little bit and kind of streamline things a little bit just to make it a little easier on everybody. So go ahead, take a look at that. Uh, First thing you might notice is right at the top, all the links for all the places where the podcast is are no longer there. That's because they have their own dedicated page now. So if you want to get to something like that, it's downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash listen. All the links will be right there on the page, ready to go. It'll take you straight to where you need, and it will go straight to the show page, too. So you can like and follow wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Again, that's downsouthitpodcast.com forward slash listen for all the show prep links. As I come across them or find new ones, I will add them, of course. You can get to it right there. Did a few other little tweaks and modifications to the website, too, just to kind of streamline everything a little bit. So while you're there check out all of the cool stuff that i got on there the defender newsletter which you can sign up for so whenever a new one gets posted it goes straight to your email you will get notified for that just sign up there down south it podcast forward slash defender and it'll take you straight to the blog post and also since this is the finale episode of season 10 when will the podcast be coming back well it will be coming back on august 22nd so mark your calendars down now. August 22nd will be the season 11 premiere. And I'll be ready and rocking and railing to go whenever that comes. I usually take off a couple of couple of weeks for the summer. So this is nothing new. I've, I've done this since I started the podcast. 
uh, as things come up or if I think something is worthy, I will go ahead and do a My Two Cents episode on it like I normally do or throw something up on the Defender newsletter, different things like that. So the podcast still will be active, just not regular episodes. Those will return in August. So let's jump right into it. First up is going to be phishing scams. These are going to be the probably the most prevalent scams around right now mainly having to do with emails, but they are starting to come through as text messages and phone calls. They have a lot of different forms and it's kind of weird because they're all a little bit different. They could contain different subjects. They're all going to do something a little bit different, but the end goal is still going to be to get to your personal information, whether or not that be your social security number, whether or not it be your credit card number, your payment information, a login ID, some kind of access code to be able to get in there, you know, like you normally would. There's a few different ones to go around, but the main thing you want to look for, especially with emails, you want to look for misspellings. Usually that's the the biggest key to knowing something is a phishing scam. Just for the, the mere fact of most of the people that are putting these together, English is not their first language. Usually it's not their second or their third. So you're going to see misspellings. You're going to see phrasing that's going to be really kind of weird. So that's the first tell. Next up is going to be the strange email addresses that either you reply, you can reply to and it will be a random string of numbers or something like that. It won't be something obvious. It won't be like a support.cap1, you know, something like that. It won't have anything to do with that. It'll be some kind of weird email. So that's another tip that you can look for. It'll have links to non-official sites. So if it is something that claims to be from a bank, if you own a laptop or a computer or something like that, you can hover over it with your mouse and it'll show you the link in your email. And that link will actually be to something not having anything to do with the email that you're reading. It could be an email about your bank. And it'll take you to some weird website that you have no idea what it is. It's not going to take you to anything having to do with that bank or affiliated with that bank. So right then and there, that's one big way you can tell this is phishing. I can just delete it. The other thing that they do in these phishing emails is they sound urgent. They want you to make snap decisions. Scammers and stuff like that. And a lot of these people, they rely on you making a snap decision without reading or without doing anything. They just want you to hurry up and click on it because it seems like something is wrong. This is one of the biggest mistakes you can make. If you have to read through an email three, four, five times, just, you know, don't automatically click on something because it says that your bank is having process, you know, having problems processing a sale or something like that. That's not how banks work anyway, but it makes you think, Oh God, I got to fix this and hurry up and click it. Scammers rely on that type of snap decision, snap, just hurry up and fix it type mentality that we all have. So the other thing that you can look for in these emails is you can look for logos that are either in the wrong place or that they will be a little bit off. It might be an older style logo from what you normally see on your emails. It might be something where the colors are a little bit off or reversed. So it'll look right, but the colors are off. Something's not quite right with it. If it doesn't look quite right, go to that 
account, go to that place, the either your bank or Amazon or whatever it happens to be, go to them directly and double check. Just because you got an email saying you have to fix something, go to them directly. If it is something wrong with that account, whenever you log in, it'll come up with a banner or a message or something like that saying, okay, yeah, this is a problem. Then you might think that email is legit. But if not, if there's no messages, no no issues, anything like that, you can pretty much guarantee that that's a phishing email. Now, granted, these are in no apparent order at all. I just kind of put this list together based on some of the stuff that I found within these websites. So again, if you want to double check all of these and read through all of this, everything is on the show prep, downsouthitpodcast.com. You can find it in the show prep for this episode. Next up is student loan forgiveness scams. These are scammers that pose as businesses that are affiliated with student loans or a student loan debtor. And they'll offer solutions to either pay off your student loan early or they'll help you get a lower fee, a lower percentage APR rate for a fee. Nine times out of 10, you pay them the fee, they run and you never hear from them again. And then you're stuck with the debt plus whatever fee you did. Plus they have your payment information now. With a scam like this, a lot of times, if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. So be very wary when it comes to stuff like that. Even if you still have a little bit of student debt and you're still paying it off, if it's not from your lender directly, I would really and truly wouldn't trust it. Now they do have programs where some businesses are affiliated with that loan uh, debtor directly. A lot of times those are gonna be sponsored emails. So they'll actually come out with those. Those might be legit. But on the, the flip side, they end up usually making more money off of you rather than helping you. So something like that is usually not very conducive to helping you pay off your loan anyway. So stick with what you know. If it's not from somebody directly, leave it alone. Next up is ransomware. This one was very popular a couple of years ago. And I think we saw mainly an uptick in it because a lot more people were working remotely with COVID and everything. And it's kind of slacked off a little bit, but it's still pretty rampant as far as all of the different scams that are out there. This one basically will hijack your entire computer. It'll lock you, your files down. You can't get to anything, can't do anything until you pay the ransom which even if you do happen to pay the ransom, which could be anywhere from a hundred bucks all the way up to thousands or millions of dollars, it kind of depends on who's doing the ransom. They may send you the correct key to unlock your stuff. They may not. It just kind of depends. Most of these scams come by by either clicking a bad link while you're on a website that's sketchy in the first place or clicking an attachment on an email that installs a program on your computer. It installs the malware. And a lot of times you don't even know it at first. And then, you know, all of a sudden everything will get locked down and then you're screwed. They do have a sneaky habit of doing this with PDF files. Uh, there's some kind of macro that you can do with PDF files. I'm not exactly sure how, but I know it's possible that you can actually embed the instructions 
to install the malware on your computer just by double clicking and opening a PDF file. Now, a lot of times we get PDF files all the time. You get bank statements, different things like that. If you know it and it comes from a trusted source, it shouldn't be a problem. But if it's just a random weird email that has an attachment on it, don't click it. That is the absolute worst thing you can possibly do. So stay away from weird email attachments. And if nine times out of 10, if you can, if you can avoid it, try to have your email not automatically download either. Because a lot of times they'll embed stuff in the email itself or in the pictures that are embedded in the email that'll do it also. So the big overarching thing on this one is if it's an email or text message from somebody that you don't know, just delete it or ignore it. And definitely don't click anything in it. Next up is Scareware. Scareware is a type of malware, but this is the one that pops up in the corner of the screen saying that you have some kind of virus on your computer and you need to click this link right now to get it off. It's the same thing as with the phishing email. Everything has to be urgent, has to be done right now. You have to fix this, hurry up, do it, do it now. Don't think about it. Just click on this and we'll fix it. This is the whole idea behind it. And as soon as you click it, it installs either more malware or it takes you to a site where you download this bad program and end up having to pay for it, in which case they have your payment information and they got your credit card. Now, if you happen to see something like this, this is one that's fairly easy to get rid of. All you have to do is if you have a, no, a good antivirus on your computer already, even if it's Windows Defender, that'll even pick up most things. Scan and do a full scan of your computer and see if it picks it up. If it doesn't pick it up, sometimes they'll have different things that will run in the background where it won't read that it's malware unless it's not running. In cases like that, boot your computer into safe mode and then run your antivirus again with a full scan. Usually at that point, don't whenever you run in safe mode, it's only the bare minimum that's running to get the computer up and going. So whatever it is usually isn't running, so it should be able to be detected and deleted by your, your antivirus. And with these, usually the malware is limited to just that pop-up. So if anything happens, it's just gonna be the pop-up. Unless you actually click on it, then you really shouldn't have a problem until you actually get rid of it. So as long as you don't click it, you should be safe. Next up is robocalls. We get these so much now. I know I get robocalls at least a couple of times a day and it's annoying as all get out. I know everybody that has a cell phone pretty much have one and the thing they're doing now is spoofing numbers. They'll spoof numbers that are roughly close to what your cell phone number is to try to call you thinking that it's another wireless user or something like that, but it is an auto dialer using somebody else's number. So you can, if it's kind of close to your phone number, but you don't recognize it, don't answer it. Just let it go to voicemail. That's usually the sign of a robocall. The other reason why you may want to leave these go to voicemail is if you actually answer it, then whoever's initiating the call will know that they are dialing a valid number and they'll keep calling because you picked up that one time. So if it's a weird number, let it go to voicemail. If it's something legit, They'll leave a voicemail or send you a text message or something. 
just let it go to voicemail. That way you can at least ascertain whether or not it is legit or not, and then go forward from there. A lot of times the robocalls, if you do happen to answer, they try to claim to be from the police department or IRS or some kind of agency or something like that, demanding payment for something that you did, possibly speeding or some kind of tax issue, blah, 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 blah. It really doesn't matter. They're going to want you to hurry up and pay right now over the phone to get it taken care of. Again, they're trying to get you to do snap decisions and not think about something. They just want you to hurry up and do it, get it out of the way and hurry up and fix it. And just as a friendly reminder, the police department will never call you to get a debt on a ticket. They will just simply issue a bench warrant if you forget to pay it. IRS does not do phone calls to individuals. They do letters in the mail. So if you happen to get a call and it's somebody claiming to be from the IRS, you can either hang up on them or cuss them out, then hang up, hang up on them, which is something I like to do in my spare time. You may want to try that once or twice. It's very cathartic. Next up is the one-time password bots or OTP bots is what they're usually called. This is whenever you get a text message and it looks like it's from somebody trying to log in. Like if you have two-factor authentication on an account, and they have to send you a code via text message. That's what this looks like. So it looks like it's coming from say Amazon or eBay or whoever it is that you're trying to log into, but it's just a random code that you didn't ask for. A lot of times it'll have a link embedded with it saying, you know, if this, if you didn't request this code, click here and it'll take you to a site. And basically you will put in your credentials on a fake site so they have your credentials now. Another version of this one comes across whenever they send a code saying something along the lines of they need you to reply to this message with the code that was sent because they need it to complete a payment or something along that line. Again, payments don't require codes to go through. They either go through or they're declined. They don't need a code to go through or anything like that. Usually what that, what that is, is somebody will be on the other end waiting for you to send that code back and then they're trying to log in as you. So they ha already have your email and a possible password for you, but they need that to either change your password or get into your account. So as soon as you reply back to them with that code, they log into your account and change it over to them and whatever code, whatever it happens to be, if it's Amazon or whatever, now they have access to everything that you have on that account. If you happen to have this happen, and granted, this happened to me last week. It was very strange, but I ended up doing it anyway. Go to that site directly. The one that I got happened to be from PayPal. And what I ended up doing was I went ahead and didn't do anything with the code, but I went and logged directly into PayPal. They sent me a separate code on a different number, believe it or not, it was a different uh, text number, and then went ahead and changed my password just for the sake of argument and just to be safe because if somebody happened to have a password that I had that was an older one that might have got taken in some kind of data mine or something like that, go ahead and change it right then and there. That way, even if they claim to have the correct password, you changed it so they don't have the right password now and they would need the second factor authentication. So if you get something weird like that, don't respond to it, don't reply to it, leave it be, go straight to that account 
whatever it happens to be, go double check, log in for yourself. They'll have either a banner message or something like that if something's going on and go ahead and change your password right then and there. For accounts that have saved payment information like PayPal or your bank or Amazon or something like that, it's always better to just go ahead and change your password just to make sure rather than somebody get in it and be able to have access to all that. Next up is Zelle or Cash App scams. These mainly come through as text messages and they'll say something along the lines of that there was a problem either sending or receiving money from somebody and they need either a password or a code or something. They need you to log in to verify your identity before the money can be given to you or sent. And during this quote unquote fix to get everything straight, that's when they get your information and your log on to be able to go in and just basically steal whatever money you had in there. So unless you know for a fact that you're getting or sending money through one of these apps to somebody or getting money from someone, go to the app directly, work with their customer service to resolve any kind of issues, which there probably shouldn't be any, but if they happen to have any, go and work with them directly or even ask whoever it is that is supposedly sending you money. Did you send me money on cash app? You know, if they didn't, then they may have a problem on their end. Or if they did, and then you have a problem, then you go and you work with that app or their customer service to resolve it. Don't ever just trust a text message from Zelle, Cash App, any of these, you know, Venmo, any of these like that, unless you absolutely know that you're getting or sending money to or from someone. Especially since these apps are so closely tied to your bank and your payment information, you have to keep these protected Otherwise, somebody will basically drain your account and you won't even know it until you go to use your card again. Next up is fake shopping sites. These are sites that come up usually in Google searches or, you know, some other search while you're trying to find some kind of product and the price will be almost too good to be true. And usually it is because the site is fake and you will never actually get a product. So if you come up with something that's a weird sounding name that doesn't seem trustworthy, go ahead and not use that site, back out of it, go to somewhere else that you know that's reputable. And the new thing that they're doing, in fact, uh, they call it form jacking. And I know it's been kind of a, a big issue going with some fairly big websites lately in which they basically hack the code of the website for the payment information part. And whenever you actually send your payment information, it sends it from the reputable site to the fake site. And then you finish off the payment on the fake site. So it's kind of a weird thing that they've been doing lately. Most sites won't have this problem, or if they do have the problem, they will contact you directly, uh, especially if there was a problem during the, the transaction or anything like that. But for the most part, you want to look out just for bad, weird sites whenever you're looking for products. Stay away from them. As long as you stay away from them, you should be fine. Most reputable sites nowadays are going to be on a secure site. So they're going to have the HTTPS or the little lock symbol at the beginning of the URL. If it's a scam website or one that's less than reputable, Nine times out of 10, they won't have that. It'll just be HTTP. There won't be a lock or they'll have the lock with the, 
the slash through it saying that it's not secure. If it's not secure, you definitely don't want to put your payment information in there at all. The other thing about the fake sites too that you might be able to recognize, something just seems kind of off. The colors might be a little bit off. The lettering might be a little bit off. A lot of scams nowadays are using, instead of using a mainly English font, they'll use a Cyrillic font, which has English letters, but it's like the old school letters. So if you see some stuff, it, the links and different things like that, you kind of want to look at those to make sure those are correct. And that's actually hard to spot because some of them look legit and it looks right because it's spelled correctly. But like I said, like the lowercase a is usually the dead giveaway. If it's the old school one, then usually that's the Cyrillic alphabet, which means that it could be a scam. If it's the, the normal a that you would see on Microsoft word or anywhere else, then usually that would be, you know, at least a little bit closer, but it's something to look at. So if something looks a little bit off, be wary of it. The site colors and logos and stuff like that may also be a little bit off or an older version of the logo, like I said before. So stuff like that, when you kind of add it all in together, if it doesn't feel right, back out and leave it alone. Next up is job placement scams. These are basically scams that they'll use, they'll put up fake job listings and they'll have like really great perks and stuff like that. And a lot of this happened during COVID with the work from home jobs and stuff like that. And what they'll do with these is they'll demand a lot of personal information from you at the start, either through email or through text message. They'll do, they'll do both actually. But a lot of times if, if it's a legit business and you're working remote, they'll use a third party to verify your, your identity. They'll verify your driver's license and social security number uh, card and stuff like that. So you end up having to go somewhere to a third party to verify who you are and all of that. The other thing they'll do is they'll demand payment up front for either equipment that they need to send you or for your training whenever you first start. If it's a legit business, they're going to train you. You're not going to have to pay to be trained. That's kind of the point of training. You have to be able to know how to do the job. So you won't have to pay for that. So if you're in the job market and you see something like this come across and they're demanding payment for equipment or for training, that's pretty much a dead giveaway that this job ain't legit and you may want to distance yourself from it. Just turn it down, find something else. And lastly, but not leastly, we have Amazon imposter scams. Amazon, because it's so damn big, makes up about 35% of all the different scams that are out there. So of the, all the scams that are out there, 35% claim to be from Amazon. And that's because Amazon is so big and everybody uses it. So of course, they're going to have the most people trying to think, you know, scam you because thinking they're from you, you're, you're from them. So they usually send emails or text message saying something that you bought or your prime subscription is won't renew or something like that. Some kind of weird thing, you know, with your Amazon account. That's the whole idea behind it. So if you see any text messages or emails or anything like that claiming to be from Amazon and they need a code or your password or your payment didn't go through or something along that line, granted, it could be legit because Amazon will send you emails if you're your payment doesn't go through or, you know, you think your 
Prime subscription doesn't renew or something like that. They will send you emails on that. But you want to double check with them before you do anything. Again, go directly to the source. Go to Amazon. Go to your account and look at your messages. They'll have something in there if something was amiss. They'll have a little banner ad that comes up whenever you log in saying, hey, your payment information is wrong or expired. You know, please update, blah, 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 that kind of thing. So definitely go to the source directly. Don't want to go through third party. You don't want to go through emails if you don't have to. By going to the source directly, you can eliminate a lot of headaches. And you can also delete a lot of junk emails. So hit them up directly, deal with them, deal with their customer service, which I know could probably be a pain, but it's better than the alternative of getting scammed and having somebody get access to your account. So there you have it. That's the top 10 list of different scams that are out there right now. These are basically the most prevalent that are around right now. Again, according to Norton and Experian and a couple other places, I just kind of did an amalgamation of all the lists that they had. So these are the, the top ones that I saw as being basically the most dominant around right now. So definitely keep an eye out for those. Be safe. Be safe online. Everybody that has listened to this podcast knows I've been a stickler for security and watching for phishing emails and stuff like that ever since I started. Kind of a kind of a little bit anal about that whenever it comes to that kind of thing. So I do pass that stuff on whenever I do see it. And I want to make sure you guys are all protected and safe as you can be online. So again, knowledge is power. And if you want to go through all of these again and just kind of run through everything, everything is up on the show prep, downsouthitpodcast.com, right under the embedded player. Look for the show prep link. It'll be right there for you. You can download the PDF and either follow along or just read through it just to kind of give you an idea what to look for for these different scams and what they're all about. So I'll go ahead and end the season like I end every podcast. Technology can replace the work of many people, but it can never replace the work of one extraordinary person. So go out and be extraordinary today. Thank you all for hanging with me today and for the whole season. I will see you back for the season 11 premiere August 22nd. Mark your calendars. I'll see you then. Have a great summer and I'll catch y'all on the next episode. Y'all have a great one. I love you. I'll see you then. Later.